Good morning, faithful listener. You are listening to the Bible Explained podcast, where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and stay tuned as we read through the book of Deuteronomy. Hello and good morning, friends and faithful listeners, and thank you for tuning in to today's episode. And actually, my sister is here on the podcast with me today again, and uh, she's going to help me out by talking about Deuteronomy chapter 9 with me. But before we begin all that, I'd like for her to uh, just, let's see, Jame, tell tell something uh, fun about yourself. What's going on in your life recently? Um, Well, helping out with P40. That's awesome. I'm loving that. And, uh, personally just loving all of the festivities for Christmas, like, you know, like open houses, church Christmas programs. Uh, I'm trying, I'm still homeschooling my daughter and I'm just like seeing how long it takes for her to notice that the other kids aren't going to school, but she still, <laughs> she still has to, if she's homeschooled. And so we do like, you know, easier work maybe, but we're still doing it. So are you guys having a service on Christmas Day since Sunday is Christmas Day? We are. So the word that I keep hearing like jump around everywhere is abbreviated. So I guess we're having an abbreviated service, whatever that is. Um, so it won't be like as long or whatever. And I think we're just going to do like our whole worship band isn't going to participate. Just like Christmas carols and um, a message from the Bible and just getting together and celebrating, but we're not actually doing a Christmas Eve service. Our church is kind of small, but we're not doing Christmas Eve. We're doing the opposite. We're doing a Christmas Eve and not a Christmas day, but we're gonna record the Christmas Eve special to uh, put online for Christmas day. That's what we're doing this year. That's a good idea. Mm -hmm. That's kind of cool. Yeah, but we are doing a a New Year's Day uh, service. So that'll be interesting. Oh, are you? Okay. That's kind of fun. And yeah. Like every church does something different. So I feel like even if you are visiting family or I don't know, like being a pastor's wife, I don't visit other churches very often. I mean, there's just not, there's not an opportunity. Um, but I, I do love that because we're all a part of the body of Christ. So I love visiting with other people. So this is actually cool, a cool opportunity, possibly like for people who get to go to family, like, hey, we're having a Christmas Eve service. You want to go and just go to worship with your family or kind of something cool like that, even though we don't live close, but I would definitely go to your Christmas Eve service <laughs> if I was going to be there. Yeah. And yeah, that is a good point, Jane, because uh, since Christmas Day kind of falls on a I, not really a strange day, but it falls on a Sunday this year. Other churches might be doing different things. So you might be able to find a church in your area that's actually doing a Christmas Day service. And maybe that might be a fun thing for you and your family to attend if you don't normally or if your church is not doing a Sunday uh, service this Christmas. bunch of different options, I'm sure, <laughs> in the area for different uh, churches. But uh, what's interesting about my sister and I is the fact that we are both in decently similar situations right now regarding our churches and the like worship aspect of it specifically. So I, I always find that kind of interesting that sometimes you and me, Jane, we line up very uniquely. <laughs> We're like E.T. Yeah, and it's, Elliot. It's really interesting. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, it is. And the funny thing is being nine years apart and, you know, they say like sisters aren't anything like each other. And we have very different personalities, mm-hmm. I think, but our interests are very, very similar. And, you know, just um, it's really it's really fun because then we can bounce things off of each other. And I don't know, I think I feel like I've learned a lot from you, even in worship and everything. Yeah. And, you know, our interests and our, our talents are very similar, too. Yeah. Yeah. You just have a more. When it comes to like creating content, you have a lot more uh, like gift for the details than I do, I think. Oh, you get more detailed oriented? Okay. You're like the broad picture. I, I'm more of the, uh, <laughs> let's just get it done. <laughs> <laughs> I'll wing it. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh. I used to, um, my, my boss years ago, because I, I used to be a hairdresser, everybody. And uh, my boss would like she told me she's like I get heart palpitations watching you do your work she's like because you work so weird with everything you do she's like you don't work in like a linear fashion you're just all over the place when you cut people's hair I'm just like yeah I am I don't I don't follow any specific pattern or like any specific um like I don't know. I can't explain that. But it makes sense to you. You know where you are, even though she's she's thinking like you're supposed to go in the straight line. You're supposed to do A, B, C, D. And you're just like, well, I can do D, A, B, C, but I did them all. (laughs) Exactly. And like some haircuts, you definitely can't get away with that. And you have to follow like a very specific, you know, whatever pattern. But for the most part, a lot of haircuts, you can kind of just go wherever you want. Yeah, well, you know, I've always been happy with the haircuts you give me, so um, I don't well, think there's you. any wrong <laughs> wrong problem with it. So just you do it that way. And that's how you see it. So and that's not the reason I stopped being a hairdresser, by the way, to anybody who had that assumption. <laughs> I, I I can do hair. I promise. It's just I don't like doing it is the main reason. Maybe we should talk about Deuteronomy. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and read Deuteronomy 9, verses 9, all the way to the end of the chapter, verse 29. So grab your coffee or your cup of tea and your Bible, obviously. I'll be reading out of the WEB version this morning, uh, but feel free to grab the version you prefer to read out of. And let's go ahead and uh, check this out together. Deuteronomy 9, verses 9 through 29. When I had gone up onto the mountain to receive the stone tablets, even the tablets of the covenant, which Yahweh made with you, then I stayed on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. I neither ate bread nor drank water. Yahweh delivered me the two stone tablets written with God's finger. On them were all the words which Yahweh spoke with you on the mountain out of the middle of the fire in the day of the assembly. It came to pass at the end of 40 days and 40 nights that Yahweh gave me the two stone tablets, even the tablets of the covenant. Yahweh said to me, Arise, get down quickly from here, for your people whom you have brought out of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have quickly turned away from the way which I commanded them. They have made a molten image for themselves. Furthermore, Yahweh spoke to me, saying, I have seen these people, and behold, they are stiff-necked people. Leave me alone, that I may destroy them, and blot out their name from under the sky, and I will make of you a nation mightier and greater than they. So I turned and came down from the mountain, and the mountain was burning with fire. The two tablets of the covenant were in my hands. I looked, and behold, you had sinned against Yahweh your God. You had made yourselves a molded calf. 
you had turned quickly away from the way which Yahweh had commanded you. I took hold of the two tablets and I threw them out of my two hands and broke them before your eyes. I fell down before Yahweh as at the first, forty days and forty nights. I neither ate bread nor drank water because of all of your sin which you sinned in doing that which was evil in Yahweh's sight to provoke him to anger. For I was afraid of the anger and the hot displeasure with which Yahweh was angry against you to destroy you. But Yahweh listened to me that time also. Yahweh was angry enough with Aaron to destroy him. And I prayed for Aaron also at that same time. I took your sin, the calf which you had made, and burned it with fire and crushed it, grinding it very small until it was as fine as dust. I threw its dust onto the brook that descended out of the mountain. At Taborah, at Massa, and at Kibroth Hatava, you provoked Yahweh to wrath. When Yahweh sent you from Kadesh Barnea, saying, Go up and possess the land which I have given you, you rebelled against the commandment of Yahweh your God, and you didn't believe him or listen to his voice. You have been rebellious against Yahweh from the day that I knew you. So I fell down before Yahweh the forty days and the forty nights that I fell down, because Yahweh had said he would destroy you. I prayed to Yahweh and said, Lord Yahweh, don't destroy your people and your inheritance that you have redeemed through your greatness, that you have brought out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Don't look at the stubbornness of this people, nor at their wickedness, nor at their sin, lest the land you brought us out from say, because Yahweh was not able to bring them into the land which he promised to them, and because he hated them, he has brought them out to kill them in the wilderness. Yet they are your people and your inheritance, which you brought out by your great power and by your outstretched arm. What do you think, Jane, about all this? What's what's something that stands out to you? There's so much going on in in, in this part. It, it just so much. Uh, I don't even I mean, I don't even know where to start, but I guess my first reaction was just like. Hopelessness, like what what are these people thinking? Like what? How? How could you do this? But then I then I think about myself and I'm like, well, who am I to judge? You know, I can't judge. And, uh, and then I see mercy and forgiveness and patience and, and just what a good leader Moses was that God chose Moses because he was, he was really faithful to the people. Although, um, you know, he sees what they're doing and it's frustrating, but it's just amazing that he wants God to overlook their stubbornness. Oh, although he keeps mentioning it's again and again and again, but he wants God to overlook it. And for the part of being, I'm sorry, he wants God to overlook this because of God's goodness and for the glory of God. And that's amazing. Yeah. Because he says at the very end here, uh, he was concerned that Egypt would almost condemn God in a way by saying like, oh, God hated the Israelite people. So it was for the glory of God, mainly that Moses wanted the people uh, not to be destroyed by God, really. But one of the things you said earlier was that, you know, who am I to judge? And we just talked about that the other day about um, basically that no one is righteous and that's kind of the point that Moses is making here with all of this is here. He's reminding the Israelites that they are really not righteous. And so when they go into the promised land that God's about to give them, it's not because of their own righteousness. It's it's basically because God is so good that he was overlooking all this like garbage that the 
Israelites had done for like 40 years. And what's really funny is Moses is basically like, from the minute I knew you, you were stubborn. (laughs) (laughs) That's what he says. Where does he say that? Uh, Oh, yeah. Verse 24. You have been rebellious against Yahweh from the day that I knew you. (laughs) That is pretty uh, funny to the point. (laughs) Yeah, it is to the point. It's very to the point. But starting back in verse 9, Moses talks about all this account that happened way back in the book of Exodus that we've talked about before. But God had spoken the Ten Commandments directly down to the people. Like literally with his own voice, he stated the Ten Commandments. But the people didn't want to hear God's voice. They were too scared to hear God's awesomeness, basically. So they asked Moses to do it for them. And that's when Moses went up onto the mountain. I think it was Mount Horeb. Or Mount Sinai? I can't remember which one. Horeb? Oh, I was going to say, verse 8, at Horeb you aroused the Lord's wrath. Oh, so thank you. Yes, it was Mount Horeb. Thanks for mentioning that to me. If I would have just read a verse sooner, (laughs) I would have remembered what mountain it was. Okay, so uh, yeah, it says... Hold on a second. Go ahead. Can you hold on? Because I just want to make sure. What was Sinai? So sorry, guys, we just paused the podcast for a few minutes because we just found out and maybe I've talked about this before. I don't remember if I did or not, but we found out that Mount Horeb and Mount Sinai are likely the same place, potentially. I don't know, two different names for the same mountain or they say that there could have been like two mountain peaks and one was Horeb and one was Sinai. People aren't really sure. We just found out. A little bit of a debate there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good to know. Good to know. Just to let you guys know, uh, Moses here says that it was Mount Horeb. He says he went up onto the mountain to receive the stone tablets, even the tablets of the covenant, which Yahweh made with you. He stayed on the mountain for 40 days and for 40 nights and didn't eat anything. And if you guys remember me talking about all that, I talked about how it's uh, it was basically a supernatural event that Moses experienced. And anytime that Moses did go up on the mountain, he experienced pretty much a supernatural occurrence, whether it was seeing God's glory or like um, his face shining bright when he came back down the mountain or God just sustaining him for uh, an extended period of time, like when he was, you know, eating no bread or water. Or bringing back tablets that were inscribed by the actual finger of God. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, so this mountain was kind of where God's like glory was dwelling at this time period. So something supernatural always happened basically on this mountain because it was God. So it says that at the end of 40 days and 40 nights, you know, God made the Ten Commandments inscribed on two stone tablets written with God's finger. And so he tells, he gives Moses the tablets and he says it, it says, he says at the same time, he's like, Get down from here for your people whom you brought out of Egypt have corrupted themselves. (laughs) So he gives Moses the tablets and he's like, all right, go deal with these people. Basically, it says they have turned quickly away from the way which I commanded them and they have made a molten image for themselves. And what's shocking about all this was just 40 days prior to this, God had spoken to the people like directly. And not only this, like God's presence was there. I mean, in the pillar of fire, in the pillar of cloud. And just the burning of the mountain in general with God's presence like being there. This was like a crazy thing for these uh, these Israelite people to have done. So then in verse 13, it says, 
Yahweh spoke to me saying, I've seen these people and behold, they are stiff-necked people. So what's that term mean, stiff-necked? I would say absolutely stubborn. I remember one time I was riding a horse. (laughs) It was a really mean horse. It was not a nice horse. And uh, if anything had a stiff neck, it was that horse, which I think is literally what the term means. It's like an animal that refuses to listen to the rider. And uh, I, I'll never forget this horse. It was just going wherever it wanted to go. And it was it was like bumping my legs into trees and stuff. And it was painful. I was like, get me off of this horse. <laughs> but that's basically what the term I've heard about that before. Oh, yeah, that was it. Uh, I went to like a woman's retreat like last year and that happened then. Oh, yeah. I've got some um, little adjectives here that are similar. So I think this is interesting. Stubborn, obstinate, mulish, pig-headed. So, I mean, pig-headed. Yeah. So it, it it's a strong word for sure. Stiff-necked. So God basically calls the Israelite people a stiff necked nation and so uh he says basically leave me alone moses because i'm going to destroy these people and then i will i'll make you this wonderful nation because that would still be fulfilling the promise god made to the uh the ancestors i suppose the patriarchs abraham isaac and jacob and but you know obviously moses didn't want that but he goes down the mountain wait this is this is one of my favorite parts about it he goes down the mountain in verse 15 and it says, while it was ablaze with fire, like, <laughs> just, I don't imagine, I can't imagine what the mindset is here of the people. Like you see this mountain right near you on it's ablaze with fire. And, you know, they're just over here making a molten calf, you know, like, like that wasn't anything. Maybe they were just like chalking it up to like a forest fire or something. Who knows? People like to explain things away. Yeah. Explaining it away or like, yeah, this, this is going on. So we're making, you know, this God that is making this happen, you know, and they were so used to that from coming out of Egypt that every God, you know, God, our God is an invisible God, you know, and they, they just didn't think that was good enough. It was like, well, he's invisible. So we're going to make his likeness which was um, completely and totally wrong, which they would find out in the tablets that Moses would have to rewrite. Right, right. So it says Moses went down the mountain with the two tablets. The mountain was on fire (laughs) because of God's glory. And he was so angry with the people when he saw the calf and all the dancing and the corruption and whatever else was going on during all this. And he threw the tablets out of his hands. So that response, I've heard people say it's either a good response or a bad response. Um, I've heard people say that it was Moses expressing his anger in a very unhealthy way by destroying something God made. Or I've heard people say like Moses was showing how the Ten Commandments have been totally, you know, destroyed by the people. What do you think about that? I could see that, but it doesn't ever say that I know of in the Bible that it it says that Moses was in the wrong for doing it. So he, it wasn't like you broke the commandments. Like the one time when he, you know, struck the rock instead of speaking to it, you know, it was like, that was wrong, but this wasn't like the time that you broke the 10 commandments that God wrote with his own finger. 
like that wasn't one of his, you know, mentioned as a bad thing. So maybe he had just felt that it was such a sin that, you know, they have, he felt that it would, it had been destroyed. Like you said, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm on the other side of that where I kind of think it was wrong because God did tell Moses after that, that he had to rewrite them. So I think maybe that was, (laughs) maybe that was a punishment in and of itself. You know, Moses was so angry that maybe he just threw something and that was what was in his hands. I mean, maybe there's multiple things going on with Moses, but he did have to end up rewriting them himself. God did not rewrite them for Moses. I just think to myself, (laughs) like this, this part of the Bible has always like stood out to me and like troubled me. Like, I can't believe there was something that, you know, people had in their hands that was like written by the finger of God, like actual writing and like it existed for 10 minutes before, you know, I got down in, in the hands of the people before it was destroyed. Um, I don't know. But that's what we do as human beings. We just like mess things up that God makes. Yeah. And then he has mercy again and again. And I think that that's, that's what we think about this. It's like, oh, we destroyed that. Well, God is again, fixing it, you know, having mercy again. Yeah. So Moses threw the tablets. You know, he he saw the corruption of the people at this point with the golden calf. And it says that he was afraid of the anger and the hot displeasure with which Yahweh was angry against you to destroy you. So after all this happened, and if you read the account in Exodus chapter 32, you'll see that Moses took care of the problem very quickly. Like he destroyed that calf basically The second he saw it, he like molted it down (laughs) and like uh, ground it it and ground it into powder. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then he threw the powder into the water for the people to drink. I talked about this last time, which is kind of funny when you obviously when you drink something, your body goes through a natural process to remove that from your body. So this golden calf literally became crap. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I I find that very entertaining myself. Whether or not that was what Moses was doing, I don't know. He might have. I I wouldn't put it past Moses to do that. Just with how, uh, like, snarky he is. Do you have anything to say about that? About the poop? Yeah. (laughs) No, I I think that that's logical. I've, I've even seen archaeological things where, like... Uh, recent recently I saw something uh, about some false idols becoming like urinals uh, possibly during one of the reigns and the Kings when they were trying to do away with stuff, but I can't remember the exact like time frame of that, but I just heard that. So, I mean, that's basically all that they are good for, you know, it's, Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it's fine. It's a it's a humorous way to deal with it. So, I mean, we can imagine that maybe that could be part of Moses's thought process. And after he did all that, uh, it says that he basically told the people, he's like, you guys messed up. And he's like, I got to go back up on the mountain to talk to God now because of what you have just done. So it says now and, and Jamie pointed this out to me which was interesting because I never caught this. It says that Moses went up back on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights again, praying for the people. 
and didn't eat anything again. So this means that potentially Moses was up on that mountain for 80 days without any food or water. Was he even thinking about food? And, you know, you think about the amazing supernatural power that's happening here. And it's like, he you'd be so hungry after 40 days, but then it's almost probably a relief, you know, like, Oh, I just, I just want to be in the presence of God (laughs) because look what has happened. And he knew that God was going to take care of him. So, um, but I'm sure that that was very devastating emotionally also that, that, you know, they could have been destroyed and they were doing that again. So, right. And he was actually, I can't imagine. It says he was afraid of Yahweh at this point. I was afraid of, well, afraid of the anger of Yahweh. Um, But it says that Yahweh listened to me in verse 19. I mean, Moses has prayed for the people by this point in time with the golden calf several times because they were always messing, messing up, basically. And we find out later that um, if you go on reading that, you know, the people messed up multiple times after this. To once again, God having a very similar reaction to this time with golden calf years later. Well, maybe not years. Yeah, it would have been years. A couple years later, he had a very similar reaction with the people when they rebelled again. And he said, I'm going to destroy these guys. And Moses, I'm going to make you out of a out of this nation. Basically, I'm going to make your descendants very, um, you know, the new Israelite nation. Basically, Moses once again fell down and begged God not to do it. And it was for God's glory, which is what you mentioned at the beginning, James. Yeah, and you think about the frustration Moses might have had, and he wasn't self-seeking, like, you know what, God? Yeah, let's, let's, let's do. And it wasn't, it was just so, such a good leadership there, you know, that he, he showed that and, you know, he knew of God's mercy, he knew that God had mercy like this. And it, I think this shows uh, Moses's desire to seek God's glory and not his own. And that's a theme we see with Moses a lot of times is he was really God centered in a lot of cases. Like he wasn't perfect by all means. He was a man, but he definitely had a desire for God. Unlike a lot of people. Because we see leaders later on that really don't have a good desire for God. Maybe they like God a little bit, <laughs> but they weren't like Moses. Like Moses was kind of in a league of, his, league of his own when it came to desiring God's glory and presence. I don't know. How can how can we as people become more like Moses with that? Because it's definitely something to emulate desiring God and desiring God's glory. Well, patience and, you know, when you deal with somebody who's in sin that you recognize, you know that this person is living in a life of sin, especially if it's somebody who claims that they love God, you know, to pray for them, to, you know, there could be some anger there because sin affects and hurts a lot of people around you know, not, it just doesn't hurt the person. It hurts everyone involved, people that, you know, are innocent. And so that anger that sometimes you can feel, just giving that to God in prayer and also being able to tell people the truth about it and telling them, hey, I see this in your life. This is what 
this is what the Bible says. And I love you and not trying to self seek. Like, oh, I, I told you that was going to happen in your life, but truly um, approaching people in a loving way, not lying about it, not accepting sin, but truly um, praying for them, telling them the truth and then taking it to God yes. for God's glory. Yeah. And, you know, there, there's a verse actually that mentions that Moses was the most humble man on the planet. And I talked to Jamie about, you know, what I what I believe that personally means, because if you go back to the Hebrew, it may not mean the humble that we think of nowadays. It could have meant more like deeply depressed, but <laughs> which I could definitely see Moses being probably the, one of the most depressed people in the Israelite nation. But as far as it goes, though, Moses is extremely humble in the way that we think of humbleness nowadays anyway, because of the fact that he didn't want glory for himself when it came to God, you know, saying that he was going to make Moses a great nation. And I think that's another aspect of emulating Moses's need and want and desire for God's glory is that he was a humble person in the fact that he he really just wanted God. Like he just wanted God completely. Less less of me, God, more of you, just God centered. It's not it's not about me. I'm here, I'm available to be used, but also if you use somebody else, use them because it's all about you. It's not about mm -hmm. me. And even at the end when he was unable to go into the promised land, he did train up Joshua and did encourage Joshua to take on his role, even though, you know, Moses was extremely disappointed that he wasn't able to lead the Israelites into the promised land. He still did what God told him to do, and he did encourage Joshua to take over the role, even though I can imagine he might have been fighting with some jealousy at some point in time over that, that he was not allowed at all to enter into the promised land which was something he deeply desired also. Yeah, we've been talking a lot about humbleness the past few days. It seems like it's a theme almost in this portion of Deuteronomy because first we talked about humbleness regarding one's own achievements. And then on, when was it? Friday, we also talked about humbleness regarding one's like spiritual, not being self-righteous basically. You know, if we're supposed to emulate desiring God and desiring God's glory, we need to be humble in a way that Moses was where we're okay with other people taking the lead. We're okay with, um, I don't know. How, how else would you describe that, James? I, I think that that is exactly what it is. Somebody else taking the lead or just, you know, supporting someone else. You see that God is using them and it's not just, oh, well, he didn't use me. Well, well, he did, but you know, but that's not the concern. You know, it's the concern is God is merciful in all of our lives, but he chooses to use different people in different ways. And don't compare yourselves with others, you know, just be close to God and um, trust him instead of having jealousy. Um, there's a verse that says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in due time. So even though like right now you might not have gotten that promotion you wanted or you might be in a position where you're just like, why am I stuck here? Or maybe you're like feeling, I could do this job so much better than this other person who has it. And maybe you're right. Maybe you could really do that job better, but God didn't put you in that position to do that job. So yeah, I think what Jamie said makes a lot of sense. Like 
it's okay to let those other people take the lead without becoming jealous. Like work on your own amount of like jealousy and uh, comparison. Because if you do do that and you do humble yourself and say, you know what, God, I'm going to let you work in this other person's life. It says God will lift you up in due time. But I mean, of course, that's not the complete motivation we're supposed to have for that. Once again, it is for God's glory, everything. One of the people that goes to my church, his name is JJ. And <laughs> uh, I actually recently uh, drew some pictures for his book he published last year. And I talked about it on the podcast a few days ago. It's called Encounters with John. But something JJ said really stood out to me. He said it directly to me. He told me that he was praying for me to start worshiping God in the way that God asks of me to worship him in instead of the way that I think I should. And like, <laughs> wow, I was kind of like, thanks, I think. <laughs> but it it stood out to me so much. Like, that's a very specific prayer. And like, JJ is absolutely right. And I, I've seen it more recently I want to worship God the way I want to worship God. I'm just like, I want to do this. I want to do that. I'm not letting God work in my life. Or rather, I'm trying to block God sometimes from working in my life the way I don't want him to work in my life. Like he's calling me to something different than I want. And like right now, I'm finding myself in a huge waiting period with so many things. I'm just like, oh my gosh, like why am I still waiting? I just feel like my entire life is waiting. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm sure you can relate to some of that, Jame, with a lot of things. I think a lot of people can resonate with that. Yep. Yeah, but I think that's a good theme even is uh, try to worship God in the way he calls you to worship him. Yeah. And and what did he give you? Like, you know, there's so much that we can compare ourselves with. Um, different families and man, it would be so much fun to be in their family. Well, God had different plans or, you know, and we look around and we see different things and it's just human nature, but we really have to fight that and accept, accept what God is trying to do in our lives. Exactly. And worship him the way that he wants us to in the circumstance that we are mm -hmm. in. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you, Jamie, for coming up on the podcast. I am sorry that this podcast is like over a half an hour long. <laughs> We're doing this episode over Zoom right now, my sister and I. And um, we had to stop the Zoom recording once to restart it because Zoom kicks you off after 40 minutes. Okay. We have been on Zoom talking about things. I think this is our fifth Zoom meeting, is it? And yes. we today we started the podcast what like three times we couldn't like and then we started laughing and just couldn't we just couldn't get it together yeah <laughs> yeah it's, it's been tough over here <laughs> <laughs> all right jane well i appreciate you coming on the podcast again thank you for this and uh hopefully you can come back on again soon sometimes it's always a fun episode with you because we just laugh a lot it's, it's a side i think that the listeners don't often hear of me and this really is genuine. My sister and I are like best friends, basically. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we talk to each other all the time. Anyway, guys, I hope that you tune into the Christmas Eve special that's coming up on Saturday. And once again, that's going to be airing Christmas Eve on 
at midnight actually, so basically Christmas morning. And I do that every single year, and this year I'm gonna be talking about the Trinity. And I've done my research for it, and it's been really cool so far to like learn so much about the Trinity based upon like biblical uh, verses and things. So I hope you guys tune into that, and uh, also just have a really Merry Christmas, happy listening, and God bless.